And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Front and nationwide, this is The Athletic's Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports on with you here. I think it's Thursday. I know the Blue Jackets play tonight in Long Island against the Islanders, but this is that time of year where the days, I kind of have to check the calendar every day. Is it the 29th? Is it the 30th? Is it 2023 yet? Um, the days all seem the same right now. There's no weekends on. In between Christmas. Hope you all are well. Hope you had a great holiday. Hope you're having a great holiday. We still have a few to few days to celebrate here. New Year's Eve and New Year's coming. Um, if you have a question, by all means, step up to the queue or send a, a message. We already have a, a comment from Ken B. who says he's here for the theme song. I'll pass that on to David Cook, who wrote that. The David Cook. Uh, pretty, pretty influential musician and arranger from Columbus who uh, is a big Blue Jackets fan could be listening David if you are thanks again for the for the funky funky ass theme song um, it serves us well and we're gonna get to uh, your guys's question first some notes uh, some stuff you may or may not know the Blue Jackets as we mentioned earlier in Long Island tonight Jonas Corposalo will get the start Cole Sillinger is back from an upper body injury and is in the lineup and Emil Bemstrom is in the lineup as well for uh, Patrick Line who is ill and not on the trip so there's a story on the website uh, this morning about Emil Bemstrom is this the opportunity he's being given a very good chance he's playing with Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Roslevic tonight that should be I mean that should that's about as offensively dangerous a line as you can put together 
uh, with the Blue Jackets right now. So a, a good opportunity for him to shine. Is this the time where he finally seizes an NHL job? Um, there have been times where he's been banished to the fourth line. I don't think he expect too much of a guy offensively in that situation, but I don't think he can say that about um, some of the chances he's been given here this season. I also think he's been maybe a little bit better than some of us have given him credit for. Two, two, four, and seven games. That's not awful production. Um, he's an interesting player. You, you watch him play and you, you, you get the sense that he's not quite able to just let go and play. And Brad Larson said as much yesterday. Yarmo Kekalainen has said as much. I think Emil Bamstrom kind of pushes back on that a little bit. Thinks he's been better at that this year than he was in previous seasons, but we'll see. Uh, he gets a great opportunity tonight. Is this when Emil Bamstrom uh, really establishes himself and becomes an NHL guy? What did the Blue Jackets do with their goaltenders? Um, Elvis Merzlikens returned to practice yesterday after a COVID absence. He's not on the trip either. I don't believe I'd have to. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Uh, he is on the trip. Sorry. I'm picturing picturing the uh, locker stalls that remained full of gear yesterday. And it was not his was not one. Um, he is not starting tonight. Obviously, it's Corpus Allo. Um but you, you wonder how that rotation is handled. Because before Elvis was stricken with COVID, he had sat for four straight games in favor of Daniil Tarasov. And now Corpus is back. So you wonder, they certainly haven't given up on Elvis Merzlikens. He's in the first year of a five-year contract. Um, but you wonder what the short-term rotation is going to be. So we can talk about all that and more. One thing I want, we're, we've, we've started doing a thing here on these live rooms where I think we're going to call it the, com the compulsory comment. In other words, it's the uh, comment that everyone is required to make, much like a compulsory event in the Olympics. Um, so with, with, with your comment, with your question, let me know what your wish is for the Blue Jackets in the new year. And we'll kind of have a, a springy topic um, for each, each of these uh, podcasts. Uh, thanks for being here. I think we're going to get rolling here. We've got one person on queue. Again, if you want to, to ask your question, we now have two. We're moving along here. Let's go first to Jonathan B. Uh, we'll take Jonathan B. First, are on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Hey, Porty. Thanks again for doing this. Um, I think my my wish for the Blue Jackets kind of ties into the absolute debacle at the United Center uh, last week. I, I was on vacation in New York watching it on my iPad, and I I couldn't stomach it after two periods because there's losing and then there's, there's losing to Chicago. Yeah. Um, so I guess my hope for the new year is that the blue jackets really do think forward and, and really invest in the true development of the future. And if that means, you know, giving Bemstrom an extended shop in that top six and maybe letting some of the younger players with AHL availability go and, play for a winner in Cleveland and play for a coach who really seems to have his spurs about him in Vogelhuber, who I, I'm just, I'm consistently impressed by what I'm seeing and hearing out of Cleveland. So I guess, I guess this kind of comes in a roundabout question to you. I know you, you wrote the really great piece on Bemstrom this morning, but is this kind of his, his last chance? Like is, is Larson going to give him some leash in the top six to see if he can really salvage an NHL career or is, is this kind of, going to be his, his last shot like if he doesn't make it here is he 
going to be back in Cleveland or, or maybe with another club. Yeah. Well, I'm with you in this. I, I think a season like this, um, and let's face it, these games, these games haven't mattered for a month now. Uh, they, they matter, but the results of the games haven't mattered, I should say. Um, you got to use these to your advantage. And, and I think this, this affords you an opportunity that most seasons do not, where, you know, if you're winning games and you're in the thick of a battle, you're not going to try to salvage some guy's career for him. But they, they feel like Emil Bemstrom, they feel like there's an NHL player in there. They really do. They still do. And so you've got an opportunity here. I, I don't get the sense that anybody views this as a last chance. I don't think it's certainly going to be presented that way to Bemstrom because if you're talking about a guy who maybe has confidence issues or puts too much pressure on himself, that is for sure a way to only make that more difficult. Um, and it may not be his last chance. Having said that, he, he's on an emergency recall, so it, it's not, as it stands right now, it is not a a long-term recall, recall. Unless they switch him over to a, to a standard recall, he would have to go back to Cleveland as soon as line A is healthy. Now, that, that's just a paper move. They can, they can make that easily, but the plans for now – uh, by that emergency recaller, he's he's here for line A. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is, as long as he's on an emergency recall, the, the days that he spends in the NHL and the games that he plays in the NHL don't count towards the waiver limit of 30 days and 10 games before he'd have to clear again. And the minute he comes off emergency recall, those games begin to count towards that. And since he played seven games earlier, after three more games here on a standard recall, tonight's game does not count. It's emergency recall. After three more on a standard recall, he would have to clear waivers again. So it could be almost you know, his time with the organization could almost be up. Um, but having said that, I think they, they want it. They want this to work. They, they fear if you made it to the end of the article, they fear, at least Brad Larson does, a uh, Jonathan Marcheseau repeat. Um, where a guy is seen as not quite NHL caliber and then goes away somewhere else, gets it together, changes who he is as a player. And now, you know, Marcia So is a hell of a player. Now, he may not have ever found that in Columbus, but they don't want, you know, the worst, as he said, terrifies GMs, this idea that a really talented player is going to struggle with you and then figure it out somewhere else. So, I don't by any means think this is a last chance, but, you know, how many chances do you get before the organization says, OK, that's enough. Um, we've seen it. You've had many opportunities. It just isn't going to happen here. We have other guys that, that deserve the opportunity. And I think they've reached that point a little bit with Bemstrom this year. He was down in Cleveland for a month um, before he's come up. But he's in a, he's in an opportunity now where. Where if it's going to happen, you think it's going to happen now with Gaudreau on his line and uh, Roslevic in the middle, at least offensively, that should be a good line. Great, Cordy. Thanks. The the one kind of this is out of a left field, but uh, as I mentioned, I was in New York for the holidays and my sister is a gigantic Rangers fan. Okay. And I saw a post from the Rangers beat writer today talking about Alexi Lafreniere and yeah. The parallels between his situation and Benstrom's situation, aside from, you know, obviously draft status and expectations, seem very close to identical. Like he didn't, he's not fighting to get those top line minutes. He's 
buried behind Kreider and Panarin on the wings. He's not getting power play time. He's on the fourth line. They're not seeing consistent effort. He's it, it, it just you could have done a copy paste swap for Bemstrom and Lafreniere. So I was wondering if you kept tabs on that at all or if that, that was the thing you kind of been hearing from some of the other scribes around the league. Well, I just saw Brooksy reported he's a healthy scratch tonight, Lafreniere. Um, I, you know, you mentioned it, though. The big difference there, of course, is Lafreniere is the number one overall, right? I mean, that's that is a different, certainly a different level of expectation. Bemstrom, a fourth round pick, I think. Um, the, the other thing, too, is, and, and this applies to both to Bemstrom and, and whoever else. One thing I've learned a long time ago is that there's no, it, it doesn't just come to you to be your turn eventually. Now, first round, first overall picks for sure get opportunities that others don't. But at some point, you have to literally take a job from somebody else. They don't just turn it over to you. They don't just, they don't wait forever. You have to, there's other players that are going to take it from you if you're not ready. Um, it is a vicious business. And I, I, I think Bemstrom, again, there's, there's always, a, it appears something holding him back confidence-wise at the NHL level where he can't just be free and play like he's been able to. He's mastered that in, in Cleveland. He's mastered that in, in Sweden at a young age. Um, he's got to take a job. That's a, that's a forceful act. He's got to be, you know, one of their, one of their top players to earn that kind of opportunity and that that sort of responsibility. It doesn't just it doesn't just come to you uh, because it's your turn. So, all right, Porty, thanks for those comments. Thanks for everything you do. Have a safe and happy New Year, and uh, let's hope the uh, the last remainder of the season is at least watchable, if not yeah. uh, entertaining. Well, it'll be interesting, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to. Andrew, you are on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Go ahead. Can you hear me? I got you. Okay. Uh, Porty, thanks for doing this. I know, obviously, the holidays and everything else and family commitments. We really do appreciate you doing well, this. for the call, man. So my kind of, my kind of like, uh, um, uh, dovetails off of Jonathan Bees and, and 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 talking more about thinking, thinking more strategically with this team, especially since – you know, getting out of the gate, we we obviously didn't look very very good, and and then obviously all of the uh, all, all of the rash of injuries that that we have had, and 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 again, you just hate to see something go where the typical Blue Jackets were, you know, February March, all of a sudden they get on this like this big big game tear, and then yes. they, take, they take you from a number where you can be like a number two, number three, possibly number one pick to like number eight to number 12. Um, and, and I hope that I, I, you know, I don't know if you've heard anything or you've gotten kind of the indication. I mean, you, you don't really want to tank cause that's a bad mentality to kind of set through the locker room. But like you said, think more strategically and saying things like, you know, maybe cylinder goes, goes down and, and, you know, and works first line and, and, and works on some of his skating, which he wouldn't be doing in these games. Um, and working to kind of find his game back, send some of the guys down to kind of help out Cleveland, but also to kind of progress a little bit more, get some of the more journeymen up, up in the organization. Again, not like you're tanking, but you're taking full advantage of, of getting these guys minutes and, and getting them time in order to, to advance instead of waiting to the end. Have you heard anything like that? Or is obviously being, being you know, is, is uh, Yarmo playing this close to the vest and, and not really – you know, focusing on anything like that? Yeah. So I'll say this. 
um, tanking is a management decision. Tanking is never a decision that makes its way to the room. Like the players are never going to be on board with tanking because many of these guys in the room, and I'm not talking just this team, this situation, but any team, any situation, they only have so many years and they, they hate to lose. Most of these guys hate to lose. And so there's no way in hell a GM or a president would ask veteran hockey players to lose games intentionally. I'm not saying it doesn't happen at the management level. I'm not saying that teams do decide this is not going to be the year. Let's work on some other things. And the draft is awesome, by the way, this year. Um, and and I, I think the way that that look, works in Columbus is that they have never tanked. And you mentioned that they, they, they do it. They've on occasion had those late rallies in March and April where it's always billed as a springboard to next season. It is never a springboard to next season. Um, so I, they're not to me w- where this is, is if, if, if Cole Sillinger deserved to be in the NHL, which they think he does, if his play, um, if his play deserves to stay in the NHL and you keep him in the NHL, that's what they're doing right now. If his play de- deserves to be in the NHL and you send him to the American Hockey League and now you're tanking. And I think that's where you get into trouble. Um, if you can make the argument, if it's true and you can sell it to Sillinger in, in the room, and I think you could, you certainly could earlier. I think Sillinger started to play a little bit better of late, but for his development, this is what's best AHL. Um, I don't think of that as tanking. If you, you know, there, there have been teams in this league that when a goaltender got hot, they sent him to the minor leagues. They didn't want to win. That's tanking. Um, when you give Tarasov four straight starts because he's played better than Merzlikens, 864 save percentage. That's not tanking. That's trying to win that game. That gives you a better chance to win that game. Um, so a lot of times, I think it's it's kind of a fine line, but I don't see them. I don't see them intentionally making moves to make their team lesser, so that they don't win games. But I, I think they've been at this point for a while now where. This is no longer about salvaging this year's team. Like, is Yarmo's not going to just start trading picks for players to make this year's team better? That's done. Um, but I don't think they're going to intentionally um, lessen their NHL roster or try to lose games uh, to get there. Just, I, I think they have built they have a built-in tankability. That, that's almost a, a Pretty good phrase there. They have a built-in tank ability with their with their injuries. I mean, no Warensky is a killer. No Jenner is a is a killer. I think of of all of the players on this team, those are probably the two guys on each end of the ice, the last guys you could handle losing. Um, and and that may sound crazy at forward, given how talented Gaudreau is, but you look at all that Jenner does: the faceoffs, the the penalty killing. Uh, there's really nobody else that can possibly handle a first line center job. Rostovic's going to try again. Um, 
he may be as valuable as any forward. Um, so it, it's been debilitating. I still think it, it is only honest to say that the injuries have given some guys cover for how bad this team was early. Yarmo's one of them. Brad Larson's the other. This team was, when they were mostly healthy the first two, three weeks of the season, they were dreadful. They were absolutely, they're worse than they are now. Uh, at least now, most nights, not Chicago, but most nights they have been competitive, just not good enough. Um, so it sure looks like a tank a lot of nights, but I don't think you can properly call it a, a, a flat up, flat out tank. So uh, two, just, yeah. two, two really other quick questions that kind of dovetail yep. off of that. Sure. I mean, obviously, like you, you just stated, which is the first couple of weeks of the season, even when we had a full complement of players, we just looked. Awful. Like un, un, like unpassionate play. I mean, that's the best way to kind of describe it. Whereas they come out like flat. I don't, you know, I, you know, it, it's almost like you, you didn't see that typical hard to play in your no. face type of Absolutely. like CBJ type of game. So does this? I mean, what is the what what is the likelihood? Um, you know, I hate even asking this question, but what's the likelihood they stay with the current coaching staff going into the? I mean, do you think he's really on the hot seat, or do you think he has a little more, uh, a little more rope after this year in order to to try to try to do that? And on the second part of that, where what's the likelihood of Gavrikov? Because I know that there there are ways on numbers, but you know, Zub just signed a, like this you know summer type player to sign the the contract for Ottawa, and you know they can point to that, but you know, you know he has his right to ask you know to come up to his UFA years to kind of hey this is what I want. Sure. Um, so, what's the likelihood? I mean, where would you percentage-wise, and again, I'm not holding it to it, but where where do you where do you get the feel of he's most likely gone? Well, first to Larson, I, I don't think Larson is on the hot. I mean, they're all warm right now because the team is at the bottom of the standings, but I I don't think he's in jeopardy right now of losing his job. I, I don't get this. Does not feel like an Arneal part two, where in year two you're you know you're really wondering where it's at. Again, I think the injuries give cover to to these guys. Um, but I do think it'll be reevaluated after this year. And I do think, especially if you land a, a Bedard, a Fantilli, you get a, a, a game changer in the draft. I think the organization's got to look, and this is nothing against Brad Larson, but they have to reconsider everything they're doing because you're bringing, especially if it's Bedard, you're bringing a talent and a player into the organization, the likes of which, Literally, this market has never seen. Uh, this is, with all respect to Rick Nash, this is a player that is ballyhooed at, at a at a level much more so than than their only previous number one pick. Um, so that has to be figured out. It is is everything in place for this great player to be as great as he can be. And that may that may require different people in different positions. I think that's fair to say. Gavrikov, I'd say it's it is 50-50. I think he's got an enormous amount of leverage. He is right to use it. You should use it. His agent should be using it. Look at this Blue Jackets lineup. Look at their depth chart. They've got defensemen on the way, but I don't think you can expect much of an impact next year from those guys beyond Yurichek. Maybe Sfazel, maybe. Um, but yeah, that, that, 
that blue line is going to be a major overhaul here, especially if Gavrikov leaves. Um, next to Wierenski, who will be coming back from major shoulder surgery, he's your most trustworthy guy. And to see him leave also really throws that back end into, I think, a mess of a situation. So he has incredible leverage, and he should be using it. And by all accounts, he is using it. Um, so they got to make a decision. They can't. They, they may think they can't afford to pay him what he's asking. Uh, they may also think they can't afford to not have him around. And so that's the tough thing they've got to come to terms with. Um, hope that helps, Andrew. It does. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get to some comments here. Here's from uh, Chris W. Thoughts on Svazel performance at the World Junior. So we just mentioned Stanislav Svazel. Um I got to say, I've, I've been uh, checking my myself the last few days here. When we've talked about the influx of players coming into the Blue Jackets blue line, um, I've been harping on the first round picks from the last couple of years. Uh, Kuhlemans, Matichuk. Uh, I, have not, I have not fully probably given enough credit to Svazl, who is having an incredible season. With the Regina Pats, he plays with Connor Bedard. Um, so you wonder what those numbers look like, how inflated they are because of Bedard. Uh, well, he goes to the uh, World Juniors with the Czech team, and he looks awesome. Um, I think he's got a goal and four assists in the first two games, helped spearhead an upset of Canada. Yes, host Canada in the first game. Um, Stanislav Svazel, they, they like what they've seen from him. Um, he, he's, he has elevated here this year. I'm heading to Regina uh, about a month from now when the Blue Jackets are on that West Coast road trip, uh, check in on him and perhaps Bedard, uh, and just see where that stands. But he's another guy that needs to be accounted for when you, you look at their, uh, their blue line. So, you, you know, Kuhlman's, Matichuk, Juracek. Add Spalzel into the list there. I'm not sure what his timetable is for for arrival, but these are guys that could can't. Um, let's see. Jack M says, should we expect Sillinger to be full go or will he be limited? Uh, he means tonight in Cole Sillinger's return uh, against the Islanders. Um, I would say, well, he's on a he's in a fourth line capacity. So that allows him uh, certainly to ease back a little bit. Corrales playing on the third line. As of yesterday, they had Sillinger with Foodie and Carson Meyer. 
Um, so that would suggest not a ton of ice time. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but that, of course, can change depending upon how the game flows. Um, power play time, penalty kill, etc. Um, I don't think Cylinder's on either power play unit, but he does kill penalties. Um, Dan H. says, do you have a quick story to share about Sam Gagne's time with the CBJ? I'm excited to go to his 1,000th game tonight in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, I mean, no no uh, great behind-the-scenes story. Gagne was always a joy uh, to cover. Very insightful young man. Great quote. Um, just thought about questions and, and did not speak in cliches. I will forever remember uh, the role that the Blue Jackets, uh, this was under Tortorella, carved out. It's really, honestly, the last time the Blue Jackets have had a power play that was worth a damn. And Gagne was so, so gifted at that aspect of the game. I remember, I think it was in Dallas, a play from the right circle pretty early in the season where he threw a blind, was on the power play, threw a blind pass. Um, and I don't remember who he set up, but it was one of the most amazing passes I've seen. Um, you know, the, it, it was um, all things are relative. They haven't had a, 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 a um, power play player that adept, my opinion, since Ray Whitney. Uh, just really understood how to get people moving. Gagne did the thing that Whitney did and the great ones do in the power play. And at first I thought it was crazy. And the longer you watch, the more the more it seems obvious. A lot of these guys will, will flub the puck a bit. Um, they'll act like they F something up. They'll, they'll receive a pass not quite as smooth. They'll botch it somehow. They'll appear indecisive somehow to get the penalty killer moving. Um, they understand motion, puck movement. And Gagne was a competitive dude. It's not huge. It doesn't have the body to to bang like a lot of guys do, but he was so smart and so crafty. And I was really surprised when he was allowed to just leave the next year. Um, the power play fell to crap, and it hasn't really been good since. <clears throat> really smart, smart player. And congratulations for him to reaching 1,000. It's not been the easy track. I think he expected it to be. Um, he's bounced around a lot, but that's a heck of a player. Um, and he's been a really good player in a lot of a lot of places for for several years now. Uh, Christopher A says, "Wishing for competitive and entertaining games, but a top two draft pick." Interesting uh, question. Is it too much to ask for the Jackets to occasionally challenge their opponents through the neutral zone, or is it <laughs> is it team policy to give them a free pass into the Jackets' defensive zone? Well, no, it is not uh, team policy. They uh, it's just not a very good defensive team, Christopher. We can say that. Uh, it is not a. Tr- it is a trend now, not just a few games here. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, I, I do think they've gotten better. I think what you're seeing now is a team that most nights uh, plays hard and doesn't have the firepower to get up and over. Um, early in the season, they did not play hard. They did not play well. They underperformed. And it was ugly. This is ugly as well. They're just not good enough. But most of these games, they've been engaged. Watching this team, it looks like uh, each game is the first they've ever played with each other. Hmm. Uh, 
Are there major differences in how Lars runs practice versus Torts? Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think, to your observation, in many ways, this is, there's been a lot of firsts here because there's a lot of guys that have come up that haven't played in uh, not only the NHL, but haven't played in the roles that they're being asked to play. Are there major differences between Lars and Torts' practices? I wouldn't say major differences. One thing I've noticed is, is uh, Tortorella didn't like a lot of standing around. Um, and I do think they take longer breaks between drills. It, even Tortorella wasn't as as um, crisp as Hitchcock was. With Hitchcock, they would talk about what they were doing before they came on the ice. And when they got on the ice, it was go, go, go. Um, this team st- spends a lot of time by the by the whiteboard, drawing stuff up. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, and I don't know how Torch would be handling practices right now for a team that is where this team is. But um, I, I mean, Lars learned a lot of his coaching under Torch, so it stands to reason that they're pretty similar. Nicholas V says, "What is your early opinion of Tim Bernie? Really like him. Um, I think." You know, I, I think I said this in the last week's show, too. Seasons like this, you, you don't expect to go 10, 12 deep on your defensive depth chart. Certainly not this early. And it, this gives you a chance. I mean, I think Bernie is one of those guys. He is a very studious, very clean, very precise player. I think he's one of those guys that may look better in the NHL than he does in the American Hockey League. And I think he's been a bit of a revelation for them. And when I, when you l- try to look ahead and project what that blue line might look like in just a couple of years, whew, I mean, Wierenski's there for sure. We don't know about Gavrikov. I think we can say Juracek will be there for sure. But does a guy like Tim Bernie carve out a spot? Does Jake Christensen carve out a spot? What becomes of Marcus Bjork? I think there's a lot of guys that are getting opportunities here, and who knows what they'll find. Um, but to me, Bernie's almost been at the head of the class among those defensemen that have come up uh, from Cleveland. And, you know, it, it tells you something when I think he was the 12th guy, uh, the 12th defenseman to play for them this year. And pretty quickly, pretty quickly, he's playing 22 minutes a night uh, in the NHL, which is just really amazing. Uh, but speaks to what they've gone through this season. So I am I am an unabashed Bernie fan. and. Excited to see where it goes. Uh, Patrick D says, you've mentioned this management group has always refused to tank. At what point is this a bad management because it causes them to get a player in the 10 to 15 range in the draft compared to a true difference maker, a 1-3? Well, that, of course, is the argument uh, against uh, the argument for tanking is the draft pick. The argument against it is got to be real careful. You can bring it down so low that you can't get back up again. And it is a hard culture to create if you lose it. Um, Look at Buffalo. Look at Edmonton hasn't been what Buffalo is. They've actually been pretty competitive. But look at at Buffalo when they they literally tanked to get either McDavid or Eichel. And look at the the cost that has been incurred by that. Um, it's, It's been a long, long, long road. It's not if if it were cut and dried, if there were a a blueprint, a surefire, no fail blueprint to 
to tank and rebuild an NHL team into a cup contender, literally everybody would do it. There is risk involved, and it can take a lot longer than you think. Look at what the Blue Jackets are going through right now. I think a lot of us thought after last year where they overachieved that it was onward and upward, and it rarely goes in a straight-line trajectory, and they're, they're paying for it now. Um, bad luck, sure. Injuries, yes, of course. Um, but it is not an exact science. So be careful what you wish for. Uh, St. Patrick D says, Yarmo was a JD hire, so it likely gives Yarmo a bit more leeway than most GMs. But Yarmo's seat has to at least be warm. Is there a GM or a GM candidate that JD loves who, if they become available, Yarmo could be in serious trouble? Um, I mean, you know, Jeff Gordon is, is latched on. I'm not sure who he's latched on with is in Montreal. Um, but JD worked with him in New York. If it ever gets to that point, that is a name that you would you would think pops up. Um, Yarmo's coming up on his 10th anniversary here in a month or so. Um, yeah, so I, I don't I, I don't really have a list of what's next because I don't I don't see it going there uh, for now. But I think that's that's an obvious name if if it ever came to that. Andrew K says have Gaudreau and Lining enjoyed playing with Johnson compared to Jenner. Are they frustrated having to play with the rookie, or is he having a or is having a skilled guy in between them opened up their play? Um, so I've talked to Gaudreau about Johnson. He and Johnson, um, I don't want to say they're kindred spirits because they're still getting to know each other, but I think Gaudreau sees in Johnson a lot of himself. Uh, smallish, skilled, super skilled, um, loves to have the puck, loves to make plays. I think Johnson's looked pretty good there, and I'm a little surprised, frankly, that he's off of Gaudreau's line already. Uh, as we mentioned, Gaudreau's with Roslevic and Bemstrom tonight. Johnson will wheel with um, Marchenko and, and Nyquist. So two quality wingers, but not the Gaudreau line. Um, I've not talked to Line about Johnson, but I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna speak to their preferences one over another teammate like that anyways. But I, I think I think they I think they like playing with both of them, but I think they re- I think everyone respects Jenner's um, workmanlike attitude. I think everyone also sees in Johnson a, a high end skill that is uh, pretty alluring as well. Um, Janice D says, thank you for setting the record straight regarding Boone's value to this team. You know, Janice, you're welcome, but I, I you know, no thanks necessary. I, I've never wavered on this. I, I it's such a tough thing because I, I feel like, you know, Boone does, Boone's playing number one center for this team. And so often you hear that Boone is not a number one center. And, I think that I, I know where that comes from. I, I understand that comment. I think it's a fair comment. But it's also, um, that can't be easy if you're Boone Jenner to hear that. He, he, is, he has stepped up for this team without complaint, without any of that stuff. And he does the best job he can uh, in every capacity that he is in. And it, it always feels, and I've said it, I mean, I, I think it's it, it's it's part of covering the team is calling things as you see them. He is not a number one center on a great NHL team. 
it doesn't mean he's not a hell of an NHL player. He is. He's probably a top six left winger. He could be a third line left winger on a really good team. Um, but he's kind of taking one for the team here and playing in that capacity. Um, and you see it every night doing everything he can to hold the fort against some of the best players in the NHL. Puts up some pretty good numbers, by the way. Uh, so it, it always feels like in, in saying that that we're sliding a player, you know, um, you know, what's the old saying that no good deed goes unpunished? Um, I kind of feel similarly. It, it, it certainly hasn't gone on as long, but Eric Branson's not signed here to be a top four defenseman. He was signed to, to be a third pair defenseman and used in a limited capacity, a very specific capacity to his game. And to hit him over the head uh, for, for his play in a top four capacity playing 24 minutes a night, you know, is that's fine. It's all fair. It's, this is, these are the pros, baby. Um, but, you know, you got to look at the roles that these guys are in versus what is best for them as players. But the situation necessitates them to play different roles. And so they step up and and uh, and they take it. But Boone is one of those one of those guys. He is incredibly valuable to this team. Uh, Patrick D says, J.D. was president of the Rangers, who openly told fans in a letter that they were tanking. I believe the letter was before he arrived, but he still took part in a tanking strategy strategy. Do you think they've considered a tank letter to CBJ fans? I think fans would appreciate the honesty and plan to get better. Um, I'll look into that. I don't expect something like this. I don't rule out a letter to fans, but um, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to go on the record about, about tanking. Um, Nick L says, Bedard's numbers are inflated because he has the privilege of playing with Stanislav Svozl. You know, you may be onto something. He may be onto something. Um, Bednar and McFarland are both elite coaches, GMs who started with the CBJ. How does the organization allow these elite talents to grow here and leave? Seems like extremely poor management at the highest level. Um, well, the Bednar situation was really interesting. If you remember, he was kind of, I don't want to say a panic hire, but uh, Chris McFarland had, had joined the Avalanche, I believe it was the year before. And Patrick Waugh, left the avalanche very late in the summer where the musical chairs had pretty much stopped. And McFarland knew a guy. It was Jared Bednar and made the call. It all works together in that situation. There's some happenstance there as well. Um, yes. And it does help certainly that Bednar gets to coach. McKinnon and Ranton and, and McCarr. Um, great, great players. And how did they get those players? Sadly, by enduring seasons like this. That's kind of it. Um, Daryl C says, is it time to add uh, Foodie to the list of first rounders that didn't make it with the CBJ? Um, I mean, you can. I'm not going to talk you out of your list. As long as he's playing, he's got a chance to, to write that history. I think you can say he has not scored a regular season goal in the NHL. That's a start. Doesn't really seem to get many opportunities. That's probably really the start. Uh, start to create more chances first. But really what's been what was said about him when he was drafted has come to fruition. That he is an incredible skater. Uh, but will his 
feet ever, will his hands ever catch up to his feet? And so far, I think we can say they have not. Um, would really like, this is from James T., would really like the Blue Jackets to move Gabrikov or Nyquist before the trade deadline. Easier said than done. Could maybe sell them to a fringe playoff side in the West. Oilers, Kraken, or Blues come to mind. Um, well, I, let's say this. If they're not extended, they will both be moved. Or if there are not strong indications that they are going to extend, they will both be moved. Um, this is resource management. They will not just be allowed to leave and walk out the door. This is not 2019 where they've got a chance to go for it. So there you go. What does the blue line look like in the 23-24 season without Gabby and or trades? Well, Andrew, that's that's um, yeah, that's uh, he. You're talking next year. Hang on a second. Let me take a drink to that one. I mean, if if it's Wierenski back, Gavrikov gone, I think you can say that Blankenberg, that Juracek, that Wierenski will have jobs. Bean is under contract. Bokvist is under contract. But, you know, what becomes of them this summer? Is Matichuk ready to take the jump? He's having a really good year in the in the dubs. Fossil's having a really good year there as well. Uh, are either of them ready? And can you have a Juracek and a Matichuk at the same time? Can you have, can you have two 19-year-olds on your blue line at the same time? Um, all good questions. Uh, to me, that's really what you look for this offseason. I think there's going to be massive overhaul done there. Um, curious to see where it goes. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's try Philip G. You are on Fountain Nationwide. Welcome to the stage. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? I got you, man. All right. Uh, I just have a few questions, but uh, first one I wanted to know. Obviously, the situation with Voracek doesn't really look great in terms of his chances of coming back this season. Do you mm-hmm. think that management? would put him on long-term injured reserve this year before the trade deadline, which would allow them to pick up maybe some expiring contracts in terms of cap space, since right now cap space is still at a premium, and collect a few more picks for the draft? Uh, I think that is a weapon they could consider using. Uh, Putting him on LTIR is just a matter of, making a paper move. So that's, that's something you can just do if you need to. Um, I'm not sure what the market is out there for people. You know, it does Patrick King when he moves and by all accounts, he's going to move. Jonathan Taves might move as well for those guys to move by then the salaries are prorated. So their salaries, you have to fit the whole of their 
salary under your cap, just the remaining portion. Uh, but that still may force some teams into creating cap space. I think it's something they would consider. Um, this organization is, is, uh, has spent a lot of money for a not very good team this year. Um, so I'm not sure where ownership would come in on spending yet more money for picks. Uh, unless they're first round picks. But, you know, I, I think if you offer, if you could offer somebody a Gavrikov and help them create the cap space to add a Kane or a uh, Taves or, you know, pick your great player who Klingberg, who may be on the move, then yeah, you could be, you could be into first round territory. Now, you know, if you're the Blue Jackets, that's probably late first round territory or mid to late first round territory. It's a hell of a year for the draft. Maybe that's still worth it. Um, but yes, that is that is something I think they'd have to consider. All right. And the, the second thing I wanted to ask is I, I know the talk about um, Gavrikov being traded. You know, my, my heart says I don't want to see him traded, but in my mind, you know, armchair GMing this, I, I yeah. do wonder if the Jackets can afford not to trade him at the deadline. If the rumors about the asking price being a first and a third are true, if you can get that kind of haul for Gavrikov at the trade deadline, which, I mean, look at the Sherratt trade to Florida, I, I think it's very conceivable. Like, can you afford not to trade him as an organization? It frees up that cap space that, it, you know, it might take up with the contract. You're clearly not in a point where you're going to be competing for a cup next year. And you've got a glut of, uh, you know, left-handed defensemen coming up in the pipeline. I mean, there's uh, Guillaume Richard, there's Stanislav Svozil, who's been destroying the world juniors. There's Denton Matejchuk, who you just spent a first-round pick on. I mean, is there room to even keep him? And would you could you even do that if the Hall is going to be a first-round pick plus? Well, the, yeah, it, it's all those are fair questions. The argument the other direction is: Can you afford to not have a veteran presence beyond Wierenski on your blue line? Like, look at that blue line. I mean, my God, it is, it is Wierenski and five question marks if you let Gavrikov go. And I, I, you know, if, with him here, with him here, it's Wierenski, Gavrikov and four question marks, maybe. I think some of the answers could be pretty good. Your check's going to be a regular next year. I think we can say that pretty comfortably. But, wow, you... I mean, as poor as this team has been defensively, I'm not sure, you know, and he, if you look at Gavrikov's underlying numbers this year, they're not great. But like we were just saying about Jenner and Goodbranson, he's now playing a number one defenseman's role, um, which is almost not great for his, may not be great for his trade value. Maybe they should dial that back to help his numbers look better. Um, it, it's a it's a double-edged sword. If they If they get a first and a third from a team, that could be middle of the pack first round. You certainly have to consider it. I still think the strong preference would be to re-sign the player uh, to offer some level of stability back there. 
And if it reaches the point where some of these young guys are way ahead of the curve and way ready to play, you can move other players then, including a Gavrikov under contract. Um, I, it, it makes me nervous to, to be that vulnerable on the back end. All right. Well, I, I guess a little bit of a follow-up. I, I mean, obviously, Gavrikov is going to be looking to get paid a decent chunk of money if he gets re-signed. Sure. But we're looking at a point in free agency where cap space is still really, really precious. It, do you think there would be any free agent defenseman that the Blue Jackets would look at signing as an alternative if they moved on from Gavrikov? Well, I think they'd have to. And the price might even be more than Gavrikov. I mean, the Branson was $4 million over four last year, which seemed excessive to some, still does. The, the free agent market is a little wild in that, in that respect. Plus, you know Gavrikov. You know what you're getting. One of the dangers of free agency is you don't ultimately know what you've got until the guy comes in. They've been pleasantly surprised by Gaudreau and Goodbranson, for that matter. Um, but it is a little it is a little riskier. But these are all things that need to be considered because I do think it's 50-50 that Gavrikov signs. And as you mentioned, he's going to want a chunk of money. So he may not want, he may want to move on too. He may be ready for a different challenge somewhere else. He has not articulated that, but that's what free agency is. So um, all, all interesting things to, to keep your eye on. Phil, thanks for the, thanks for the questions. Let's go back to the, to the Thank chat. You. Thank you. Ken. Um, William says, you hear from Allison, he means Allison Lucan, seems like she's becoming a rock star out West. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to argue that William. Allison has not become a rock star out West. Allison was a rock star here and now she's out West. Uh, I do, we do stay in touch. Um, absolutely. Try to get her on the pod when the Blue Jackets play Seattle. See, I wonder what her fee is now. Might be uh, extraordinary now. We'll see. Um, if the CBJ, this is from ONA, the CBJ get a return similar to Savard's from a couple of years ago in the Gavrikov trade. First and the third, would you make the trade? I like the player a lot, but I feel like extending him is a trap when there are strong D prospects coming and 44's out, which costs. Uh, contract on the books for three more years. Um, I think you need good defensemen. You need good veteran defensemen to be competitive in this league. So I want to keep Gavrikov if the numbers are right. If the numbers can't be agreed upon, then yeah, I'll take a first and a third. Let's do it. I like first round draft picks, especially this year where this is a really good, really good draft. Any chance CBJ talk with Trotz about maybe being the head coach during this rebuild or reset or whatever we call it, what we're going through this year. This is from Eric B. Um, sure. They talked to Trotz. I mean, I, I think, uh, I know this is not an original six, 
And Trotz has said his next job wants to be with, he wants it to be with an original six. So that's a hurdle. But I also know that Barry Trotz has enjoyed uh, coming to Columbus and has close friends in Columbus. I don't know if you remember Barry in the, he was, I forget what exactly, he had a family friend in Dublin. And he had some strange, it was hilarious. He was pissed off about a lion at the, was it a lion? At the zoo, Columbus Zoo. I know you people are like, what the fuck is Forty talking about right now? But there was a lion at the zoo that was being taken somewhere else for breeding purposes. I think it was a lion. And Trotz was very upset about this because he was friends with someone who knew a zookeeper or such and such. Anyways, he has ties to Columbus. Um, I think he'd be great here. I think he'd be great here. Um, Kevin C says, which of the rookies that have been brought up are going to be regular contributors in the years to come? Oh, boy. Um, well, I think Tarasov, let's start at the back and work our way out. I think Tarasov is going to be an NHL goalie. I think defensively, Bernie looks like a NHL defenseman to me at times. I like what I see. Juracek is going to be that. He was up earlier. I think Kirill Marchenko for sure is an NHL forward. I think I've seen some really bright things from him. Um, not counting Ken Johnson because he's been here all year, but I don't think there's any question. He's going to be a really good NHL player. Um, Kevin C says, uh-oh, I sat across from you at the Vegas airport a few years ago when Southwest canceled the flight due to an ice storm. How did you make it home? That was an interesting trip. Thanks for talking with me. Well, Kevin, you're very welcome. Um, you know what? I've had so many flights canceled and somehow still made it home. I don't really remember exactly how. Oh, wait. I think we ended up staying another night in Vegas. Does that sound familiar? I think that was just a few years ago. And we ended up getting stuck in Vegas for the night. Which, I'm not a Vegas guy. That sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, I think we flew home the next day. I think that's right. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, don't, I, I remember talking to people at the Vegas airport. I don't remember that that those travel woes in particular. David L. says the NHL has a lot of strong players who fit like a puzzle piece in specific teams. I think Gavrikov might be that for the Blue Jackets. Bernie spoke about him on the inside edge last night. I realized the financial challenge of giving him the race he has probably earned. How far apart do you think they may be? You know, I don't know. They've been very tight-lipped on this. His agent's not saying anything. Um, but it, it's, it seems like it's more than a million, right? At, uh Looks like it's a significant gap. Uh, Richard N says, any news on Texier? I'm still adding, holding out hope he'll be a top six center with the team as soon as next year. How's he doing in the country of high-end hot chocolate? <laughs> um, well, Richard, he is apparently Yarmo Kekalainen, well, I should say apparently, had a fine lunch with him, a meeting. It was not about, are you coming back next year? They're going to let him sort that out and be patient with it. The expectation is that he will. Um, but that, you know, I don't think we'll know that until 
next September and he's here. I don't, I don't necessarily think of him as a top six center. I see him as a, as a winger, especially if you've got Sillinger Johnson in a, in a top pick this year, that could almost certainly be a sentiment. Um, do you think the Jackets could be in play for Larkin? Also, I assume you mean Dylan Larkin. Also, any names the Jackets might inquire about free agency. I think free agency is forever away. And let's see what happens at the draft before they take a big plunge in free agency. I'm not sure they're going to be very active in free agency because um, they, they've got enough bodies here. They, they need to get healthy. They need to get older. They need to get bigger, more mature, and they need to add another stud player in this year's draft. Uh, Jeremy B says, is Baronkov expected to come over next year? Um, he is. Nobody wants to talk about that because the less said, the better, but that is the expectation. Um, Philip G says, are there any hints who may be Larson's replacement? Well, no. Because at this point, they're not replacing Larson. Unless the Nyquist money is used for Gabrikov, I can't really see how it fits within the cap without trading Elvis book with being Rostick. Oof. This is the downside of paying your third pair to Branson and Pete, seven million combined. More of a comment than a question. Uh, let's see. Gage W says thoughts on Bo Horvat trade and potential pieces. Um, again, I, to me, Horvat is not something that makes much sense at all right now if you're the blue jackets or if you're both or bad um like he is how many months away from unrestricted free agency and the idea that he would give up that right to sign a long-term contract with the blue jackets right now doesn't make a ton of sense to me um the fact that the blue jackets would trade for bo Horvat without the Assurances that he would sign long term here doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I just think there's so many unexpected things that would have to fall into place for that to make any level of sense that I would not pay that one too much mind. I think if you're a Blue Jackets player looking at having an established top six, um, I think you're looking at a player they draft in this year's draft, Leo Carlson. Maybe a three, Connor Bedard, you hope, at one, Adam Fantilli perhaps at two. Uh, you look at, at one of those as your top center, you look at Johnson as your number two, and Cole Sillinger as your third line center. Maybe Johnson becomes a winger, right? It's going to take him a couple years, all of these guys, to grab hold of this, but you're looking at a pretty dynamic uh, group right down the middle. And that's that's the next step here. All right, I think we're good, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We went an hour. Got to a lot of questions, a lot of comments. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again next week, and um, yeah, and we'll. You know what? I I failed miserably at asking you each for your wish for the new year. I got to get better at that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll work on that as we go. Thanks for listening. This is the Front and Nationwide Podcast via The Athletic. I uh, look forward to talking to you all very soon. Take care.